Thank you for listening to this episode of the Parent Stuff Podcast. My name is Evan Semenko. I am the host of the Parent Stuff Podcast, and each week we want to bring a conversation to help you as a parent win. We know it's difficult times. We know everybody is probably sick about talking about COVID, but over this series, over the next couple weeks, we wanted to talk to people in the school systems, people that maybe are working and educating your kids wherever you are that are there, trying to help to understand a little bit more of what the pandemic's been like for an educator, for a principal, for a secretary, and to help us as parents maybe have a little more patience. And then the big word I like is empathy. You'll hear a couple times probably throughout this episode that we can be empathetic to trying to understand where somebody's coming from, what the schools are trying to do. And I appreciate you listening to this episode with Eric Lee. He's an assistant principal at Cope Middle School. Has about 800 students, so a pretty large middle school and what that's been like for him trying to figure out how to help manage a pandemic. I hope you enjoy this conversation and make sure you subscribe so you get this episode and every episode of Parent Stuff when it comes out once a week, as well as leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other people to find it, makes it easier to search, pops it up to the top of the list. So give it that review. would love to hear your feedback. And if you have questions or comments, guest ideas, would love to hear from you. Email me, evan at thesimplechurch.tv. We'll be in the show notes as well, wherever you listen to this podcast. And now, Eric Lee. All right. We're here with another episode of Parent Stuff Podcast, another fantastic guest, Coach Mr. Eric Lee. Eric, tell us about you. Tell us about your family and what you do. Um, I am currently the assistant principal at Cope Middle School. Go Cougars. Have been at Cope since 2012. Been a teacher since 2003. Uh, Started my first year at Airline High School. Go Vikes. Taught a year there under someone you're familiar with, uh, Miss Judy Podner. Uh, who taught me uh, how to be an effective teacher in one year, which I'm sure was a challenge. So we just found part. out, talking before off the air, that I was there while you were teaching. I was at Airline High School 2001 to 2005, class of 05, and I had Miss Potter for a couple classes. She was great, fantastic right. teacher. Uh, the, the thousands of kids uh, that she had an amazing impression on, uh, they are all blessed for having her just as I was blessed for being mentored by her. Uh, as I said earlier, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now uh, if it weren't for a bunch of people, but definitely Judy Podner first and foremost. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> taught at Airline for a year, uh, but really in my heart, it said middle school is where I want to be. Because you just love self-punishment. <laughs> just looking for a cruel life That's right. <laughs> to be involved with middle school kids. I, well, let's just say I went into middle school with my eyes wide open. Yep. Uh, I knew exactly what I was getting into. Uh, did student teach uh, in middle school at Elm Grove, which is actually my middle school alma mater. I'm a South Bossier guy. Uh, born and raised in Bel Air. Uh, went to Bel Air, Curtis, Elm Grove, graduated from Parkway in 93. Local boy. That's right. My wife, April, uh, also a Parkway graduate of 93, met her uh, in fifth grade. Okay. So do y'all know Chip Mitchell and Julie? Were they there um, when y'all were there? They're a little bit younger. Okay. But uh, went to school with some Julie's of the Phipps brothers. Kids. All right. There Absolutely. you go. I think they bookend us uh, some of the, the older, and then I think they're all older brothers. Yes. Uh, but Jason was, I think, a year older than all me. All kinds of connections. That's right. Um, and April and I, uh, born and raised in South Bossier, um, and, and just to kind of finish about the family, we've got two daughters. Uh, Eden is a junior at Airline, Addie a freshman at Airline, 
Um, both of them uh, I was blessed enough to have come through COPE while I was there. Actually got to teach Eden. I didn't know that. That's uh, awesome. In history class. Uh, yeah, like I said, she's a junior now, so I got to have her in my class. Uh, would have had my youngest, Addie. Uh, but as we were discussing earlier, um, the year before I would have had her, uh, I, I had an amazing opportunity uh, at, at COPE teaching Started the year, the 2018 school year, uh, in the classroom, fully prepared to do a, a, another exciting year of seventh grade American history and try to convert uh, all of those seventh graders who looked at me on the first day. You know, you had about 20% that looked at me excited for history class, and the rest, you know, they're like, glazed oh, over history class. <laughs> Nothing fun It's about boring, history. it's old, right? Yeah. And, and it was always my mission, and I would always tell them that first day, I'm going to convert the vast majority of you to, even if it's not your favorite class, you will have a new respect and appreciation for history by the time you get out of this class. You and Hamilton the Musical. They oh, were the fighting the good fight. Hey, look, <laughs> did wonders <laughs> when we got to Washington and the Revolutionary War after that came out. You know, the amount of kids that knew more about it, specifically because of that musical... That's right, do it, doing the Lord's work. That's right. Um, but I would have taught Addie, uh, but the start of 2018, about a month into the school year, the assistant principal who'd been there for years with, with the boss, Miss yep. Judy Grooms, uh, who's been there forever, who you was, said you're familiar my, with. That's right. So Bill Allred was actually the principal, and Judy Grooms was the assistant principal, I believe, when I was there. Right. I went to COPE and was there, graduated from COPE Middle School, my alma mater. She's been there uh, over 30 years. That's amazing. So she's, Awesome. She'll lady. be the principal emeritus after she's gone. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, but she asked me, she said, look, you know, the assistant principal uh, is retiring, and this is kind of a, a, a tough situation. School year's already started. Um, so we're going to interview some people, but I'm just curious, you know, is this something you'd be interested in? And us, after thinking it over, said, absolutely, you know, this is the place I want to be. So I've been in the front office since about September of 2018. Uh, didn't get to teach Addie, uh, but I was, you know, the AP as she kind of went through there. Right. Uh, so blessed to have both of my girls there with me uh, and plan to be there as long as they'll have me. That's awesome. Did you make an A in your class? Eden didn't make it. Okay, out. good. All right. Just make sure. No help from me, of course. <laughs> of course not. Oh, that's awesome. So we're doing this series talking to teachers, administrators, principals, people who are a part of the school system because that would have been early 2018 and two short years later, all of a sudden, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Correct. And the schools are having to adjust. Everybody's having to adjust. And my hope and prayer is, is the parents that are listening to this go to Simple Church or raising their kids. Most of them have kids in public school. We've all lived through these last couple of years and experienced it. But they probably don't know really what it's been like on y'all's side of things. So I'd ask you, send you a couple of questions just to talk it over. You actually went and interviewed some other teachers. I think you're the only person that did that. So thanks for doing that. That's yep. next level. And just kind of seeing, let's walk back and go. So spring break 2020, you're enjoying your spring break. You got some time off walk us through what it was like for you as an assistant principal at a middle school figuring all that out right so uh actually enjoying the spring break just getting ready for the final push uh toward testing in the end of the year and then you know we had heard covid everybody had heard right. um but in the past there have been other um diseases that have spread and, and you always want to say, okay, worst case scenario, we're going to have to be prepared. So I was a youth pastor, and we canceled a uh, Six Flags trip one time because of Ebola when that Did was going you on. Did you really? Oh, yeah, everybody was freaked out about Ebola. Oh. And like, we don't need to go to Six Flags and go get it. <coughs> so we, we were 
really planning to come back yeah. uh, and hit it hard toward the end. Uh, and that's kind of toward the end of that is when we got word, all right, I think it was we're going to be out for three weeks. Just a couple weeks. Just a couple weeks. Uh, the administrative team, uh, they had us work that following week. Um, and I think uh, the, the whole administrative team at COPE, which is myself, Miss Grooms, and Miss Afia Code, uh, we went in that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Ms. Grooms uh, finished out the week. So <clears throat> just planning for what we need to do, um, anything that teachers might need to do, students might need to know, parents might need to know, you know, in this little three-week window. It'll blow but, over and we'll be right. back to normal. Everybody thought, I have an extended <laughs> vacation, though, so we'll get caught up on what we need to. Uh, for me personally, uh, that weekend after, uh, had a headache Saturday night. Went to sleep, told April, man, I got a headache. Uh, and next morning, woke up with a fever, hundred might have been 101.9. And then by Monday morning, it hadn't gone away. And she was the one that was like, you know you need to go get COVID tested. I'm like, I don't That's have That's early. COVID. Yeah, yeah nobody was, had it. Nobody had it at that point. And I didn't think I had it either. But sure enough, I went and got tested, and a few days later, boom. I'm positive. And so, I remember that because you were the first person in Simple Church that I remember somebody saying, like, did you hear that the Lees have COVID? And that was a big deal because it was in our backyard now. It was people we personally knew. Right. And and me, I, I sat there for the first probably four or five days that I had it and read every doomsday article oh, that man. I could. So I'm thinking, oh, i got to get my arrangements ready. This is not <laughs> going to be end. good. Uh, and luckily for me, I, the symptoms were mild. Uh, the fatigue lasted for a while, uh, but other than that, and all of the love and support that came from my friends and family, uh, and and my cope family stepped up big, uh, because at that point, you know, it was like, all right, now we, we had to quarantine. We weren't allowed to be around anybody, right? Because um, that was when that was May twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah. Um, was, I, everybody was super on edge and yes, early afraid. I stayed in my bedroom for essentially two weeks. Um, after about a week or so, we got to where, you know, I wanted to see my family. Right. Uh, and not just have April, you know, knock on the door when she set some Slide food or drink under. down. Right. <laughs> um, so we basically set up a, April had ordered a fire pit on Amazon. Because, you know, this is when everybody started going Amazon crazy. Right. It was like, hey, if, if, if I need something, this is the way to get it. But we set up a fire pit in the backyard. Uh, we were probably 25 feet apart in chairs, uh, and we just played games and visited with each other. Yeah. Uh, which is something that in the hustle and bustle of your regular life, uh, it, well, I don't want to say yours, but my regular life, we don't we don't often get a chance to just take a breath and enjoy each other's company. Sure. And just Not talk. enough, yeah. Um, but the end of that year, uh, of course, it was, we, we didn't know what we were going to have to do when that three weeks happened. So what is school going to look like when we come back? Um, in the end of the year, it was basically what we called credit recovery. Give everybody the opportunity to do work, but we don't want to punish any of these kids because this is an unprecedented right. scenario. Um, <clears throat> so we got through that school year, and then prepping for the new school year uh, was the difficult part because 
Um, there was so much that we needed to prepare for. Because everybody remembers in May, we're like, you know what? It's going to die in the summer. It'll be too hot. We'll be back to normal in August. Everything will be fine in August. And right. spoiler alert, it wasn't. <laughs> You're in the same boat now right. trying to figure out how to get middle school kids crammed in Cope Middle School right. and back to school safely while also making sure they learn and keep up with all that. And it's, it's a right. lot. Well, and then when they started, when you reopened, it was, okay, so here's what's got to happen in order for schools to reopen. So, you know, it was virtual. We had a lot of kids go virtual. Um, You know, that first school year back, it was, we started with the alternating days, the A-B schedule, half here, half there. We had to figure out, because, you know, as as you know, everything started getting pushed virtual as well. So it was whether you were in the class or at home, Everything had to be made available to a kid who was in the classroom and at home. And with with us in middle school, we had to get textbooks in everybody's hand. So we basically had to coordinate, and this is where the teachers and all the support staff, they were huge, because they basically coordinated a way for us to bag up everything that every kid would specifically need and have them drive through at different times, and we would hand it off, sign the form, hand it off, sign the form. Uh, in order to make sure that every single kid at our school... Which had, is how many? How many middle schools um, are you talking about? Uh, 820 at COPE, essentially. This year. We're, we're over 800. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but to make sure that every kid had an equal opportunity to be successful academically. Uh, and that was a monumental challenge. Uh, and then getting them in the building. Um, I spent more time uh, than I ever should have trying to devise a way to get kids in a gym, but to partition our gym up properly, <laughs> to do the same thing in the cafeteria, uh, in our common area. You're familiar with the yep. Cope common area. So you walk in the main big double doors, and it's a huge open wide space. Right. So it's what can we do to fulfill the expectations now that have been placed on the schools to make sure that kids are safe, that we're doing what we need to do to make sure that they're safe, and those that are in the building uh, have to be six feet apart, Uh, We had to have static seating in each class. Each teacher kind of has their own dynamic. They set up their classroom their own way. That's part of what makes being a teacher fun. Right. But when we came back from COVID, it was like every kid, and we team teach, so these kids largely go to the same teachers together. We basically told teachers, you've got to have the same seating arrangement in every class. Your pods. Because, right, because then you're doing the contact tracing. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting by three kids in class A, and then they go sit by three different kids in class B and three different kids in class C, before you know it, if there is a contact tracing that needs to be done, you're sending 20 kids home. And we don't want to do that. Right. We feel that the, the way to get the most out of any person's education is in a face-to-face environment, okay? Um, You're fostering a a community when you're in a classroom, uh, and that's best served when when everyone is in the building, teachers, uh, support staff, and these kids. That's wild. That is overwhelming just hearing that, and I think parents, we think about our own situation, right? Most of the time, we're just in our own world. We think about our own specific kids and what they're going through, 
but the scale of 800 middle school kids getting them textbooks, figuring out virtual, getting all the teachers ready to teach virtual. I know some of them probably were not really excited about having to do the extra work, and obviously they step up, they do what they got to do, but it wasn't ideal of having to relearn or learn for the first time how to become virtual teachers and video and right. edit stuff. and It's just a lot for anybody. It is. On top of dealing with middle school kids, <laughs> which are already difficult. And, and let's touch on that for a second, the technological aspect yeah. of it. Because, you know, we'll call them uh, veteran teachers who've been in the game for a long time. They know who they are. Uh, not, and, and, and I consider myself one of them. When I came in, I considered myself relatively technologically savvy. Now, I'm lost as a goose. You, <laughs> with all the stuff that my kids can do, right. my own kids, I'm lost. And, and I struggle trying to keep up with them. Well, you have a teacher... That's taught and us. You're in your mid 40s. Just if somebody listens, doesn't know. Right. Yeah, that's I'll right. Be 47 in a couple there weeks. There we yeah. go. So uh, it, it's hard to say, in addition, teachers, to everything else we're asking you to do, please master technology as well. That's right. And make sure that it's updated every single day. Uh, and when I, when I did talk to some of the teachers about, you know, challenges that this presented, new challenges. The amount of planning that kind of goes into a school day now compared to pre-COVID, uh, it's different. Uh, we were talking earlier, and I told you that when I started teaching in 2003 as a history teacher, my lesson plan was one single sheet of paper, uh, and it wasn't always full. Now, uh, education's evolved, curriculums have evolved, expectations have evolved, and now with COVID, you're having to address the kids in the classroom, the kids at home, and the kids who are quarantined who are now behind. And as a teacher, you've got a plan for all of that every single day. And when I talk to uh, my teachers, one of the things that they wanted to make sure to convey, uh, that, that number one, as always at Cope Middle School, our teachers are going to go above and beyond for those kids because every single teacher on that campus has a heart for kids. Mm. And they give up their time because they want to and they love it. It is a passion. They're not doing it for the money. <laughs> not, not for the money, right. as we all know. Uh, it's a passion for them. Um, and at COPE, uh, one of the, one of the, the part of the culture that Judy Grooms has fostered is we want to educate the whole kid. Hmm. Yes, uh, reading, writing, science, social studies, it's all important. But we want to address the whole kid, social-emotional well-being. We want them to experience learning uh, that is also outside of a classroom. Um, we're... When you went to Cope, did you have any of the overnight trips? Did you get to go anywhere? Oh, yeah, I was just about to ask. So I remember social development in seventh grade. Did y'all still do that? I had to go to Outback. We had a formal dinner, and then there was a dance, and you learned etiquette. And Absolutely. Yes. And Again, we, you're teaching the whole kid. Yeah. The whole kid. And, and, and at this point, when I got there in 2012, they exposed me to that whole social development concept for the first time. And how many people have probably said, well, you know, schools need to teach kids life skills. Know, life skills. Yeah. You know, how should you act in public? And you know, in this case, a fine dining establishment. And if, if you want to dance with someone, how would you do it? And how do you say no properly? All things that we all expect kids to know, but who's teaching them? Right. Uh, so we're giving the whole child uh, uh, in education, and that's what COPE has done, and that's what we want to continue to do. We've got overnight trips for 8th graders to Houston. We've got overnight trips for 7th graders to New Orleans. This year, because of COVID, it's Lafayette. We're doing that in a couple weeks. Nice. Um, so we want to keep educating the whole child, and that's something that uh, we believe is a passion for us 
at Cope. That's awesome. So my favorite trip story, my one time my dad went as a chaperone on a trip. I went on a seventh grade AIM trip. We went to the Houston Space Center. We went on a charter bus, drove down, came back the next day. So it's a one-night trip. My dad only packed one pair of pants, and a kid <laughs> next to him threw up on him on the bus. You're kidding. His only pair of pants. He had to go into the little stall and wipe them down with a towel and wore the vomit pants the rest of the trip. He did not pack well and yeah. plan accordingly. Not so going to clean well, and that smell not, is not going away. He was away. the vomit dad the rest of the trip, so that was great. That's the only trip he ever came with me. I don't know if that was the coincidence <laughs> or not, but I think that is so great. And again, Miss Grooms is awesome. We've known her a long time, and what y'all are doing is so important. It's such a big deal. I chose to be a middle school pastor. I worked with middle school kids for 11 years directly, and I do love that age. I really just think that it is such a critical time of life where they need a caring adult. They need people that are going to give them a chance and treat them as adults, but at the same time, remember, they're still really kids i mean they're still immature and trying to figure it out even if they are six feet tall and it is such a cool age and something that i think a lot of people get scared off or weirded out by and can't stand it but i appreciate it i know what you guys are doing is a big deal and it matters and teaching all that stuff really is above and beyond at cope well and thank you for what you're yeah. what you do and here here to that absolutely it's not for everybody um but like you said uh it, they're almost a blank slate you know, so there's so much that you can do with them, uh, and they're an absolute joy to be around. Trying at times, sure, but, but aren't we all? Who isn't? That's right. I was going to say, no matter what age you are, there's trying people, for sure. So going back to the COVID conversation, everybody's favorite thing to talk about. What was personally challenging for you as that's going on in an assistant principal role? I think that's probably a job that a lot of people don't realize what really y'all do day in, day out. And again, not to say you have it harder than anybody else. We have a phrase at my house we like, it's not the hardship Olympics. Just because somebody has something bad doesn't mean that you have to one-up them and make it worse. Everybody's going right. through their own stuff. Right. So for you as an assistant principal, how did that look like? Because you're going through the school. Are you right. having to throw kids in gas for not wearing masks? Or are they having uh, to go okay. and deal with parents that are angry? Right. A little. A little it's, it's all of that. Um, for me, um, I'm more uh, – I've got the discipline side, but I'm also uh, deal with the building. Yeah. Building and ground. So it's making sure that we're, we're split up. Everything is Willie. safe. You know, Simpsons. You're right. Simpsons guy. What's that? <laughs> the groundskeeper, Willie. You're the. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's right. That's me. All right. Uh, it's a lot of that, uh, but really, it's getting together with the faculty to make sure that we've got all of we've got all of the protocols checked off and in place, uh, and making sure that that we can continue educating uh, to the best of our abilities. Right now, uh, really, what that is now, it's the quarantining and contact tracing. Mm. Uh, it, it is an ongoing. It's an ongoing thing. We now have a, a, what we call a, a COVID clerical aid. Teresa Hagler told us about that last week. I had not heard that. That's a great thing. I'm sure that helps a lot. Up until up until the COVID clerical aid was hired, my job every time someone tested positive was find every single kid that they were near, call, notify the parents, let them know, hey, we've got it. We've got a quarantine now. Uh, here's what you need to do to make sure to keep up academically. Here's what you need to do in order to come back. So for me, in the role that I have, uh, the majority of what I did was was that contact tracing. So I don't know what you're allowed to say. We could beep okay. us out if we need to. You can just give me a rough estimate. Is that dozens? Is that hundreds? How many times have you done that in the last two years? Um, let's say that I've definitely called hundreds of parents. <laughs> yeah. And, That's a lot. And let's just say that this year the COVID clerical aides probably called more than I did in that year and a half that I did it. So just to give you some perspective right. about of what's going on behind the scenes in order to make sure that we're keeping kids safe, but also 
uh, we want to make sure the kids that you know that aren't at risk can stay in school. Right. Because as we as we all know, you know that's where they're going to learn the best. There's such a learning gap that's come about since COVID. We want to close the learning gap, and I feel the best way to do that is if kids are are in school. And that's not a political statement. And that's no, not it's saying just we should do one thing or the scientific, other. Scientific, yeah. It's, I think they just learn better. The truth of the matter. So I've said this story a couple times on the podcast. People have already heard, but my daughter Nora started kindergarten in 2020, August. <laughs> we weren't sure we we're going to start. She starts late because there's a hurricane. Remember, mm-hmm. the, in August that year. We finally get her in school two weeks later. I got COVID, so she had to quarantine for 14 days, right. and then it was fall break. So we stopped, started. It was awkward, but I did two weeks of virtual school with a kindergartner, and let's just say I will never, <laughs> ever choose to do that. First and last time. Absolutely. Yeah, love her. She's great, but that was not ideal, so I definitely agree and think it is the best environment to learn. So you've dealt with that. That's what you're doing as yeah. assistant principal, figuring that out. Thank God right. for these COVID secretaries. Right, right, absolutely. And Teresa Hagler said the same thing as working and doing that as the secretary. It's been a huge blessing to be able to figure that out because it's just a whole other thing on top of everything else y'all already did. And I, I would say that since COVID, you know, there are so many parts of our society where the workload and the expectation has become so much more elevated because of this. And for some, it's kind of kind of a return to the mean a little bit. But for others, um, it's still, that workload is still there. And I would say that as an educator, that, that extra workload is still there. And I don't foresee it uh, changing anytime soon. Uh, and I'm telling you whether it's support staff, uh, our paras, our maintenance techs, our cafeteria workers, and definitely our teachers, and everybody that is in that building on a daily basis, they're doing more now in order to make sure the job gets done than they ever have before. Uh, they do it enthusiastically. But it, it, it's everybody kind of has fatigue now with it. Yeah. It's exhausting. And as an administrative team, we've got to find ways to keep them motivated, let them know they're appreciated, uh, and, and, and keep getting the best of everyone. And, and it's a challenge because you've also got parents. And we've got a wonderful wonderful contingent of parents at Cope Middle School, but you know you're not going to keep everyone happy. Right. Uh, so we're trying to do what's best for the kids, uh, and we want the community on board with it. Uh, but it is a challenge because not only are we frustrated, parents are frustrated. Sure. They're overwhelmed. I can tell you my own personal experience with this since Cope with my own kids. Um, you know, And I'm somebody who should know better. I'm an <laughs> educator. Uh, but when it came to the virtual learning and now with kids having to keep up with everything virtually, uh, I don't know the ins and outs of all, every aspect of Google Classroom and all of the software and the programs that my own kids use. Right. Okay. So I can only imagine how trying it is for parents, particularly ones that aren't tech savvy, oh, yeah. who now also have to learn every aspect of this. We have a new school operating system called OnCourse. So just like the teachers and the schools have to learn it, parents, hey, we've had this for two years now. Let's go ahead and learn this. You need to learn every aspect of this so you can make sure you're informed with everything your kid needs to know. Oh, Google Classroom? Well, there's six of them for each kid, (laughs) and you got to make sure you're up to date on that. And some teachers use other platforms. It is. It's overwhelming. Uh, It's intimidating for me personally, so I can only imagine uh, what many other parents are experiencing with that. Uh, And what I would say to that is uh, one of the questions that you asked me, uh, what would be a helpful thing for any parent listening to do to help support the school? Yes. Uh, And and I would say the overwhelming response that I've gotten uh, from my teachers is, 
please be as informed as possible hmm. because when the parent is informed about everything that's going on, follow up with these kids, know what they're doing in their classes. It is more time consuming. Uh, th th there's no two ways about it. Uh, you, the kids have multiple classes, which means for a parent, in order to figure out what's going on in English, what's going on in math, science, social studies, electives, they're going to have to get on a computer. It's no longer, hey, show me what you did, because everything's on the computer. Right. Everything's on Google Classroom. So a parent's going to have to either know how to log into the child's Google Classroom and know what to look for, right? or kids, and we talked about this age group, we've got wonderful, responsible, mature kids, but we've got 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. <laughs> they're not going to tell parents everything they need to know. What? Yeah, That's I know. like breaking news to every parent listening, Eric. Exactly. Are you kidding? They're not going to say and repeat everything and remember everything they're supposed to do? Or bring home everything yeah. and get it signed, My right? My mind is blown. <laughs> so what I would say is, parents, uh, if you can be informed, and the way to be informed now is uh, at Coke, social media. Uh, we have Facebook. We have the school website. Get on, get on those. Get the notifications. Take the effort. Yeah, Google Classroom. Get the notifications on course. The school operating system. If you don't have, if you don't know how to use it at all, our counselors would love to give you a little quick tutorial so you're able to check grades, know if there's homework, if are there tests upcoming, what's going on at the school every single week. We have a calendar on our website that Ms. Grooms updates that thing constantly. Teachers have their own classroom calendars that will update constantly. So. If parents can just, you know, that steep learning curve yes. to learn all of this and then stay informed, check behind your kids. Yes, we want our kids to be responsible, and at this age, it's time. But in order for us all to be doing our jobs, then, then we need to follow up with them, check with them, touch base with them, go over their shoulder, check their homework. If we can all be on the same page working together, then we are going to get the the optimum educational experience for as many kids as we possibly can. That is fantastic advice. I'm going to Mallory. She's great at this. So Mallory was a teacher. She loves teachers. We are trying to be good parents. So she gets all the stuff we get at the beginning of the year, those packets that are a mile high and go all the information, but she puts them in a folder two years in a row now. It goes in our dining room in a drawer. We both know where it is, and she goes back and references that thing. She'll pull it out Absolutely. when we have a question before we call and bother somebody or email the teacher. She'll go back and find it and check and double-check and make sure. And then she also, here's another tip for parents, make makes a favorite things list. She gets the teacher to fill it out the first day of school. She saves that sheet, and then throughout the year, like we talked about this week, what we're going to do for Valentine's Day, we're going to give the teacher their favorite drink. We're going to give her their favorite candy and just try to remember that and go and show that effort. And we know that the teachers are the ones that are spending more time with their kids than we are that we're trying to encourage those teachers. We don't want them to quit. We don't want them to be discouraged. We don't want to be angry parents that take the wind out of their sails and add to everything else they're doing. And I just think that's a great piece of advice for any parent listening. Middle school's hard. We get it. You're probably going to be mad at the teacher or the school at some point for something. We get it. But we can react with a little more empathy, understanding that there are 700 or 819 other kids at that school <laughs> that are trying to figure right. it out, too, that they're doing the best they can and putting a lot of work and time in to help your kid to succeed. So... And we do. We want to be there to work with the parents. Uh, and, and there's no way that we're going to be able to satisfy what every single parent wants in, on every single item. But 
as long as they know that we're coming from a place that we care about these kids, we're, we're knowledgeable, uh, we, we've had to become more malleable in the last two year, years than ever, we're going to continue to evolve, continue to work hard, to, kin- to, kin- to, to, excuse me, to okay. continue to have high expectations, yeah. but to love on those kids as well. Malleable is a good word because I just imagine getting hit with a hammer over and over and over again. I've <laughs> <laughs> gone through a lot. Right. Absolutely. So I'll wrap up on this, Eric. Thanks for talking. But as you were talking to these teachers, as you're going through, what has it been like for you as a leader, as the assistant principal in that position to see them come together and do that during all of this going on? Well, it, it does it does the heart well it does the soul well because we do have a family and you know schools you, you say you've got your school family um, we've had a lot of turnover in the last few years sure but I think that it, it all starts at the top Judy grooms uh, creates a place that people want to go to uh, and she creates a place where uh, these professionals that love kids and want to work hard they want to be there and they've got each other's back um, me personally just to give you a quick story for me when I got COVID it was you know people delivering food it was it was my school family that was there for me and when I tell you right now uh what what our faculty does on on any given day uh they're giving up their planning period to cover somebody else's class because I'm sure as everyone out there knows there are there are there's a mass shortage of subs yes um I think we have one regular sub that we can call on well how many uh, did you have before the pandemic i would say that before the pandemic we probably well we we had a system-wide yeah set of subs and most of the time you'd have a sub in class so you know we if we needed six we got six every single time if we needed 10 we got 10 uh now that's just not available so our teachers at our school have stepped up our paras and and support staff they've stepped up and said whatever you need in order to make sure classes are covered and kids are getting what they need to do, they volunteer. We have a sheet, a little Google Doc that you sign up if you want to cover, and every day uh, that sheet is filled uh, with our teachers stepping up. Uh, they're very, very encouraging of each other. Uh, it, it's, it's heartening to see uh, that we've got these professionals that not only care for the kids, they care for each other, uh, and, and they want to make sure that Uh, each and every day uh, that there's a certified teacher in that classroom for those kids. It's awesome. Thanks for what you guys do. Thanks for fighting the fight. Thanks for investing in our kids, this next generation that so badly needs people like y'all in their life trying to figure it out. We really do appreciate it. And I hope every parent listening maybe goes in with a little more empathy, listens a little bit better, is a little more patient, and maybe goes and checks that dang handbook before they call and complain and say something that you sent them at the beginning of the year or know how to do it. Amen. <laughs> I to said that, that for, the, for that's you. Online. That's online. There right. you go. Uh, thank or you. online. That's right. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, you're doing a good service for the parents out there. Uh, and for the educators in the community, and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric. He's a great guy. What they're doing at Cope Middle School, Ms. Grooms, and the whole team is just amazing with all of these teachers and staff and faculty and the people that make it happen for our kids to be able to be in school is a big deal. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. You get the new episode each week. Next week, we'll talk with Leslie Bailey, a, a, a vice principal at Airline High School as well, and then we'll continue this series of COVID with one more guest, my wife, Mallory Samenko, in two weeks to be able to come and talk about being a parent and what it was like starting kindergarten in the pandemic. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing, and have a great week.